Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean O'Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. I can't tell a woman like you that I'm going to get your size right if Ifueco's part is it correct, right? If Ifueco's algorithm is off, then I can't promise you that. If, you know, ESO's been in the operations team and our inventory is off or the way that we said, okay, it'll be to you in five to seven days, but we don't have the right inventory or our stations are off and we're not, it's all those pieces come together. Hi everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Simone Kendall co-founder and CMO of Parfait. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. In the spring of 2021, Simone was approached by ESO to join Parfait. At the time, Simone had just finished her MBA program at Wharton Business School and was set to return to her previous employer, Capital One, with no intention of looking elsewhere. As the school year ended, Kendall realized she needed to take a leap of faith toward her entrepreneurial dreams and set aside the security of working in corporate America. With the deep knowledge of the wig industry's product and customer experiences, coupled with formal customer insight strategy experience gained from Capital One and the elite business skill building from Wharton, joining Parfait was a no-brainer for Simone. In her spare time, Simone watches after her daughter, Kaya, and takes her to dance classes where she is on a local majorette competition team. In other words, Simone is slowly becoming a dance mom. When the workday is over, you can catch her snuggled up with Kaya watching Disney's latest release or jamming out to some old school R&B. Oh my goodness. So yes. so this is crazy. Not only are we in real life, but we are in my home. I've never had a guest in my home. This is so special. I feel special. Thank you for welcoming me into your home. It's beautiful, you guys. Y'all are missing out. It's beautiful. Thank you. Well, this is so special. I am a proud customer of Parfait. I am a fan of you and Iso and Fuego and like, as you know, I'm like your cheerleader and your champion. Yep. <laughs> I come in every day, all day. I We love it. We love it. And I think the one thing that I love too is you're a supporter, right? But then when you feel like you can help amplify, you do. So it's not just about telling us, but it's about 
going and amplifying us and talking to other people and knowing enough and caring enough to not say just one great thing, like, oh, they're awesome, but it's the detail, okay, <laughs> the detail. So we appreciate you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for that, because I get into it. I'm like, did I just steal their thunder? Did I just do their presentation? Not <laughs> all, we appreciate it, you can have it all. Well, this is also exciting because we are doing a three-part series we have never had three dynamic founders on the show. So our listeners are in for a treat. Yes. You are rounding out the series as the CMO, yes. co-founder of Parfait. So I want to jump in because it's been so exciting to hear your co-founder's journey. And they're interconnected already because they're sisters. Yep. But their backgrounds and the way they approach the business, it's unique. Yep. But it fits into why. Is just yep. phenomenal. Yep, yep. So I want to get into your role, your background. Tell yep. us everything about Simone. <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, really, you know, it starts very early on. My connection to beauty was when I was a young girl with my with my sister. We were trying to pile through my mom's Mary Kay stuff. Uh, she was a Mary Kay seller back in the day, and we just tested all the makeup we could. We tested every eyeshadow, and then we started getting into hairstyles. And so from a very early age, we were exploring, we were DIYing, um, and that's sort of always been our thing. And so you fast forward to college where I really was focused in business, started my first hair company then, was not a great experience, <laughs> uh, but learned a lot, you know, as things yeah. go, as things, as as things yes. go, um, you know, I was young and, and so, but I, that was my first experience of having a partner in business and learning, okay, when you have a partner in business, the types of things you really need to look for, um, it is just like choosing a partner in a relationship, in anything. So that was my first realization of it's not that one person is good or bad for you. It's just you need to have somebody that you're compatible with. And so I learned that very early on with that first business. Entered into corporate life after college. Was at Capital One for, gosh, eight years, you know, climbing that ladder, which was an incredible time. I always feel like Capital One raised me uh, from a professional sense. It's an incredible culture there, so welcoming. And it was a place where I could really learn a lot of different things, but also use those different experiences. And oftentimes my different opinion to build up a business, an idea, a team, and it was always welcomed there. And so my last role at Capital One was leading the customer experience insights for the president of the bank and a senior leadership team, really focused on creating customer-centric business strategies. <laughs> so was all about how do people experience Capital One on the phone, in the branch, on social media? What are we doing right? What do people love and what do they not totally love? Really getting into customer segment and thinking about what product fits what type of person. And so you can kind of see me building into like some CMO stuff. Yes. Um, so that was yes, there, that trajectory. Yeah. So my nine to five was that. And my five to nine was running my second hair company, which I was doing by myself this time. Um, but it was in connection with my mom's nonprofit. Uh, my mom battled breast cancer um, from 2011. To, I guess you never stopped. She's still here. Um, but when she was diagnosed and, you know, beat it and started a nonprofit to help other women, just going through the motions of it. There's a lot of um, technicalities and, and different things you need to sort out that the hospital helps you with and some that they don't. And so trying to find resources. So she created a nonprofit circle of cancer care in the San Antonio area. 
We're a military family. So there's a big military base in San Antonio. Um, so she serves that area. And so with my business back then, I was donating free lace wigs with every transaction to our nonprofit. Yeah. So it was a really incredible time because I felt like, okay, now I'm starting to see this synergy of bringing in what I love to do, but also doing good for other people and thinking about what that confidence building looks like for profit. You know? Yes. You know, you get, you get too. So I ended up closing that business when I decided to go to business school though, because at that time I was like, you know, I had been running that business for five years, um, doing everything by myself. I was the stylist, the customer service rep, the marketer. That was a great time for growing businesses organically on socials. Yes especially Instagram. That was like my jam. Um, I have a twin sister who was big on YouTube. So I tried YouTube too much dedication for me. But you know, I think so I've had a long time to of like being in the sphere of like YouTube and beauty influencers and figuring out my way around that. I was very much uh, at that time, a business owner and did not want to be considered a beauty influencer. So there's a whole thing about that later. Um, but yeah, so, you know, learned a ton about that, went to business school to understand how to truly, in my opinion, now there was no truly version. I just thought it was because I never had been exposed, but you know, when you, you know, imposter syndrome, right? Like you think that because you didn't go to the school or because you didn't meet that person or because you didn't go and work at that job, there's something big, older of information that you don't know or you don't have access to and therefore you're lesser than or less capable and so I went to school thinking oh I wanted to like learn real entrepreneurship I wanted to learn how to really scale a business and this is true right like I learned a lot of really amazing fundamentals but quite frankly the biggest thing I learned was relationship building in a whole different way so business school is, in my opinion, not about like execution on like little tasks. You need to just learn enough to like understand what people are saying, but you really need to be building relationships with the people in class and outside of class. So had an amazing time at Wharton, was supposed to go back to Capital One, but had like an existential crisis. <laughs> Um, um, you know, sitting my last semester at business school thinking, and I had an executive coach at the time, which was a really huge privilege. I think like that's a huge part of any, I would say business or career change. Uh, for me, I had a business coach that also related to me. She was a woman of color. She was in my sorority. She was a woman of faith and like also understood business. And so it was like all the things I need to sort. She helped me really think through. So um, a great connection point really helped me realize that as much as the security of Capital One was amazing, I needed to go for what I had come to Wharton to do. And that was actually change the trajectory of my life. And so we did that. Um, I decided with no options, um, you know, okay, we're going to focus on entrepreneurship. And then literally, I kid you not, the next Thursday, Iso hit me up because we hadn't seen each other forever. The pandemic had happened. Everyone is sort of like in business school, kind of reconnecting in real life before everyone sort of moved on. And she was like, hey, like we haven't had a chance to connect. Like we finally need to connect. (laughs) And she told me, because I knew about at that time what was her intelligence, but in a more like high level sense, but I knew it was what we needed in the market because of my experience. So when we had, we sat down and really talked about it. I was like, I have to, I have to do this. I have to be part of this. I don't know how, I don't know what. And by the next week I was pitching VCs and supporting oh the, the business. And so it was really incredible. I think that's the, that's what I love about our founding team though, is each one of us uniquely has these lanes, right? So 
you know, for Ifueco and ISO was so clear operations and technology. What they were missing was the actual product experience and how to sell a beauty product. And so I brought that to the space and that that's where we are now. <laughs> oh my gosh, there are so many things. First of all, I have to go all the way back to Mary Kay. Okay. okay because okay. my mom sold Mary Kay. My mom's like oh. a big HR executive before she retired and yeah. she loves makeup yeah and mary Kay was like her fun happy place and i was always the model and it's so funny when we think about our childhood the good the bad everything yeah. in between and then we find these moments like mary Kay, and mary we're like Kay. finding ourselves in the business of beauty yeah because yeah. that's what it is it is so special and then even the sadness and the fear with your mom's diagnosis and then the outcome of having a nonprofit, having her here with us today, Mm -hmm. but being able to use your skills for good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate, right? That's what a lot of us, why we do what we do. I especially think like in black, right? A lot of us, we create products because we're, they're missing, right? We want them. We see our mom struggling not to find them. We see, you know, ourselves, our sisters, our daughters, a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. right? Like, my mom was a black woman, luckily, so my hair wasn't in total shampoo as a biracial youngin, but I definitely had probably too much pink oil in my hair at one time. And so, you know, we kind of go through this journey of, you know, figuring out our curls. And now you have so many brands that are actually really focused on those types of experiences. Um, and it is about doing things. Yes, we want to build generational wealth and we want to create these amazing brands, but like, you know, exit and acquisitions like Neil Organics, right? Like that's like amazing. Um, but we also need to make sure that we're doing it in ways that like actually center us in, act- in really growing and doing it big. Yes. And I think that's where, you know, we were pulled to go into, you know, VC and, and fundraising and all the things because yeah, you can create a business, but for us, it was the type of business we wanted to create, the types of problems we wanted to fix took a lot of development, <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of manufacturing, like a lot of things. And so, you know, we, we ended up doing the fundraising aspect of it instead of bootstrapping. I keep telling people like bootstrap until you don't have, like until yes. you can like, you know, do it in a way where you get funding that you get the right partners because there's, there's a lot there, but I mean, fundraising, I think today is a, a tough, place to be even from where we were 2021 when we raised yes even for those who are passionate about solving problems that we care about and so you know there's there's a whole topic on that i'm kind of going sideways with it but no all, all in all like we have big problems to solve and i'm i'm excited that we're a part of this generation that's really taking mary Kay. but yes. mary Kay was like her passion she was still just a distributor of somebody else's exactly. dream exactly you know oh, that's the key thing right. and this mm-hmm. generation like Oh, it just makes me so happy because we're doers yes, and yeah. we're dreamers. Yep. And I think this notion of ESO's called you, you guys are sitting down <laughs> and you're also like, I have this executive coach. What yeah. am I going to do? And so when you think about, you said yes, yep. which was fantastic. Yep. And then a week later, you're like, we're looking at VCs. Yep. And it's such an interesting time frame. Because you're 2020, you're 2021, mm-hmm. the whole world is recovering, mm-hmm. and you're going to VCs before you actually had a market tested, this mm-hmm. is going to work. Yep. And so even as you're talking about the right people to help you get there, 
you were also in this place of like, how do I even show a proof of concept, mm-hmm. a customer journey and customer experience that you were trained in mm-hmm. for five years? So yeah. talk yeah. about that time period from yes, yes. to now raise. So yes, yeah, so when I said yes, um, my first stop was Atlanta because that was initially where we had our now Dallas warehouse. It was in Atlanta because we thought, hey, Atlanta's the mega of <laughs> hair. That's where we should be. Um, and when I went down there, you know, I learned two critical things. Number one, somebody from the founding team has to be in the vicinity of any space we have from a manufacturing perspective, we have to be able to get there as at any point and unexpectedly, quite frankly, just to make sure we're, you know, inspecting what we expect. Um, And then the other thing was we needed a, we did not need a salon suite space to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are not necessarily a salon, but we're also not like a warehouse. We needed something in between to make these Mm -hmm. wigs. So recognize at that point, hey, does it make sense to be in Atlanta? We need to move ourselves to Dallas so I could be there. It's definitely better Mm -hmm. for retail. ESO was in New York, not great for retail Retail. (laughs) spacing. And Boston was not either. So Dallas is kind of it. Um, But it's a great market for hiring. Mm -hmm. There's like 25 beauty schools within 25 miles of the center of Dallas. Like it's a huge space for beauty entrepreneurs. So it was a really good place to say, you know, hey, there's lots of talent here, Mm -hmm. lots of real estate um, and just, you know, Southern people are nice. So that's like a lot of really good, you know, easygoing women to work with. So um, we opened that and then we went directly into product development. I was figuring out what our, who our vendors were going to be. There needed to be some changes on lace. We needed to write every procedure on how we handled every single wig, creating our first sets of colors. Um, so there was a lot of product development happening at that time. Um, there was a lot of sort of customer experience, like process writing. So we were talking about what is a virtual consultation? What questions do we answer? What questions do we not answer? When do we send someone a tape measure? If they've gotten so many, we for whatever reason, the tech is not getting it. Do we ship it to them? Do we not? Right. Um, thinking about, do we do smaller kits like this up front? When do we put the camera app? in our sales funnel? Do we put it before you start browsing the site or do we do it after you check out? Like there was so much of that happening. So customer experience, both physically in the hair product, in how they were talked to after they made their purchase, the technology, how much we talked about the technology, how. So, you know, for us, we can say it's AI, computer vision, using machine learning. They don't know what that means. And they're like, like, which one was that? They don't care. You know, so we... Talk a lot. So now it's selfie technology. We use very simple charts, just four selfies and you get a custom fit wig. You know, we really talked a lot about that messaging early on to make sure people felt like we were approachable. A lot of times when you bring in a new customer experience in a process like this, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like not attainable, especially for women who are, you know, a little bit older, maybe not as tech savvy, but that was, that's the belly of the women we serve. Quite frankly, Mm -hmm. Gen X is a huge part of our customer base because they have disposable income. Mm -hmm. They have high quality standards. They don't have a lot of time and they don't necessarily always live in the most like urban area. They're in the suburbs. They're in different places where they don't have like a lace extraordinaire in their area Mm -hmm. to help them. So we were thinking about our moms and we were thinking about 
our aunts who are like, girl, just go buy the wig for me and do my things. I mean, even for you, you like, you walked in and I was like, can you? I was like, I don't even wash my own hair. Literally. But that, but you are like that target customer, right? And 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 I think that also blends really nicely into why we change from hair intelligence to parfait. So during that time of saying yes and then getting VC dollars, we were hair intelligence. When we stopped from, let's say, getting dollars and then public launch in April of 2022, we were now parfait. And a reason we did that transition was because we looked at our customers early on and we were doing some beta testing and things like that and realized our our consumer is not the Gen Z millennial kind of TikTok queen. (laughs) She could be in there, but she's not the majority. The majority were women, Gen X, who were still going out and having a cocktail with their girlfriends, Mm -hmm. still trying to travel and having vacations, but like wanted the luxuries in life. And that's where we started to realize this is actually very much a luxury product that women deserve. They've yes. worked hard. They've raised these kids. They're dealing with stuff. Or, you know, they're lawyers, they're doctors. And so we wanted to bring some sophistication to the packaging, to the name, mm-hmm. to the entire experience. So that really started to transform what we thought about as our core customer um, and then really helped us shape also the types of educational services we give. So yes. what we talk about in virtual consultations all of those things um, align with that journey of really figuring out who our true customer was, making sure our messaging aligned to them and making sure the experience aligned to them too. Well, and I love how you said in the beginning, like Mm -hmm. each of you and your co-founders bring something so extraordinary to your business. And even just listening to you talk about the customer journey alongside of the product development, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating because all the pieces have to work. Oh, absolutely. I can't tell a woman like you that I'm going to get your size right if Fuecos part isn't correct, right? If Fuecos algorithm is off, then I can't promise you that. If, uh, you know, ESO's been in the operations team and our inventory is off or the way that we said, okay, it'll be to you in five to seven days, but we don't have the right inventory or our stations are off and we're not, it's all those pieces come together. And it's interesting too, because, you know, early on in our, our raising people were like, well, why don't you just make the app? Like, why are you selling wigs? Like, why are you doing all this other stuff? And we were so adamant. You you need to solve the whole problem. You have to create the tech that tell stylists what they need to be able to create beautiful products. And that also has to go deeper into supply chain because you have to actually Mm -hmm. fix that supply chain to get the right products to the stylist to be able to do what they need to do. So the tech can tell them the right things on every single customer and you still get your wig on time. I still look amazing. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I think too, that's what people forget, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty Mm -hmm. of what you're building because you're also, you're a technology company. 100%. And this tech is one stop here, Mm -hmm. but there are so many new implications that you guys are creating. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's, it's the dynamicism of it. Even as you were talking about all of the different components and the lace and the this and the that, Mm -hmm. and like, We've forgotten because we see the gorgeous yep. output yep. of what goes into it. And even when you you talked about hair intelligence, you talked mm-hmm. about my parfait, as the CMO, why did you decide with your partners, we have to change this name? I'm telling you, yeah. Gen X yeah. and everyone yeah. else, you yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was really a, a moment of getting some really great advice from some of our investors at that time who had launched brands who thought about the clickability and searchability of that name, right? And spelling, like something as simple as if no one can spell your brand name, 
you can't <laughs> get searched if you, you don't like it. There just, we go. That's just, and so we really were committed to, okay, like as much as we loved hair intelligence and we felt like it really did represent what we were doing. Um, Parfait really came out of this idea of let's be a little bit more, you know, I would say your traditional red antler sort of like Billy, like a branding kind of thing. Um, but we obviously made it our own. And so we went through a whole um, rebrand process with someone who we absolutely adore. He's like an industry vet from Nike and really helped us think about who we were as a team, what we were building for customers. And, and we really decided that at that point, we wanted to redefine a word for ourselves. And that's where Parfait comes in, right? Because everyone's like, wait, Parfait, like the breakfast, like the, <laughs> and, and for us, it was like, well, number one, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to go for a name that wasn't every other hair company that wasn't super saturated, that wasn't used by a bunch of people. But when you think about what a Parfait is, it's a completely custom food that Everybody enjoys however they want to, whenever they want yes. to. The word literally has AI in it. Tailored hair has AI in every single word. <laughs> like parfait means perfect in French. It's just all these elements of sort of describing what we hope to build with this brand, which is a perfect experience personalized to every single person that has it. Oh my gosh, I love this. There is so much in... The name. Mm -hmm. And I think about naming my company Brain Trust, mm -hmm. and it means so much mm -hmm. because if people are just left with their name, yeah. it's like, what can they expect? Mm -hmm. And how does the product really match that? And I have to ask so you've had such a, an interesting career, right? Mm -hmm. And the customer experience has been at the heart of it, mm -hmm. whether it's been Capital One, Parfait, yep. Business School, Helping yep. Your Mom, Your Two yep. Businesses. <laughs> What's been your defining moment? Ooh, my defining moment. Wow. Um, honestly, it was it was getting into Warren. I think that moment for me, you know, I went to a state school in Texas uh, because I I couldn't afford UT. And in Texas, when you graduate from the top 10% of your class, you can go to any Texas school. You're automatically yes, here. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, oh, I can go to UT. And my parents were like, yeah, we have the GI Bill. We were military, so we have the GI Bill, but I have to split it with my brothers and sisters. So it was a monetary decision for me to not go to UT, right? And I always kind of had this chip on my shoulder of like, I could do more. I could be more. I could, you know, and I was always kind of having that ambition, ambition in me, which is, I think, what also drove me to always have you know, I'd always be underqualified for the roles I had at Capital One, quite frankly. Um, and I think it's because I always had that hunger. I was always very curious about learning. And I would take my own personal time to do projects on the side to just learn as much because I love connecting the dots. And so uh, that was at the point where, you know, Capital One, I could have continued on it would have been great. Um, but then I realized like, what am I going to do other than just keep this same momentum? Um, and at that point I had basically parted ways with my daughter's father. And I realized I want to have a different lifestyle. I want to have an extraordinary lifestyle, yes. which means I have to do extraordinary things to get there. Yes. And I had a boss at the time who was like, you know what? I think you'd be great for business school. I had never heard of business school. I was one of those people who didn't know that there was any, that you wouldn't just do your master's after, you know, undergrad. And that was it. Um, I was from Texas, military family. We had no idea about any of it. My parents 
still didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into <laughs> leaving a full-time job, a full career yeah. to be full-time broke again. Yeah. It was just not a thing. Um, and so, but you know, I had a decision because I had my daughter at that time. I was in Philadelphia because I was working for Capital One. And so I was based there and it was sort of like, I'm either going home. So I would apply to UT or I'm staying here because I have the most amazing nanny ever. And it's easier for me to stay. And the only business school in Philadelphia is wow. UPenn. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, well, geez, it's either like UT, which I'm like, hey, maybe I'm good enough. I don't know. I wasn't, you know, I was nervous because of my undergrad experience. And then I'm like, okay, so I'm going for that. or like the number one business school, like, yes. you know, the man. And yes. so I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and so I applied, um, went through a couple of different, like I, I applied like within six months. That's a whole other story. I think like more black women should be talking about, about making we that decision. We are going to another, do an episode on Please, please. Because yes. that's so much to that. And like so many things that we count ourselves on, out on, or, you know, trying to pick through poets and quants to find a profile that you're like, mm -hmm. to see if you even have a shot before you even try. It's a whole thing. <laughs> um, so I, I hail married and I applied to Wharton and got in um lost my mind when i got the phone call but that point in my life made me realize there is i can accomplish anything yes. i can accomplish anything i put my mind to if it's aligned to what god has called me to do and he told me that i'm doing it and he's going to give me more than i could have ever imagined because i guarantee you I was already looking at apartments <laughs> in austin i was thinking maybe i'll live with my mom she's not that <laughs> Gotten to Wharton, got a scholarship, um, and it literally changed everything. I went there, found my tribe 100%. Um, you know, I really got deep in the Black community there and realized, oh my God, there are so many other Black people like me. Like, <laughs> I was like shocked. Like, I had always been kind of the only one that was like doing a little extra, you yeah, know, like yes. always that person. And I got there and I'm like, oh my God, these all these people. people. Oh my God. These it was the best. And I've been, you know, leaning on those experiences and those relationships since and the validation I received at Wharton ever since. And I will for, you know, the rest of my life, quite frankly, because I did that. I can do whatever else. I'm good. Oh my God, I love this. And and we will talk about the importance yes. of education in yes. business school. Yes. And I love that. It's like, if I can do this, I can do anything. 100%. You really have. And I just as we close out, we have this beautiful parfait. Yes. With us here. Yes, there's a little treat. We are gonna have a little <laughs> treat later. But Simone, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I am just so honored to be on this journey with you guys. Yes. I'm so proud. And even as black women, our ability mm -hmm. to change the narrative 100%. and to look at creating businesses, technology, um, Thank you. Yes. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me, Kendra, and being, yes. and being a supporter. I mean, literally, since the moment we connected, you have been that way. And so, for anybody watching, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. Okay. I was like, you make Get it connected. easy. Y'all are out here doing all the things. I'm like, it's easy. And the last thing, and we will let you go, we are about community. Mm -hmm. We are about supporting each other. Mm -hmm. So, one brand that we should check out, that we should support oh. outside of Parfait. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. There is a, a braid bar in Atlanta called Swella. 
and she's one of my Wharton MBA uh, classmates. She has an incredible business down there. You can go get your hair braided in whatever braid you want. You get a glass of champagne. It's a beautiful setup. It's a corner unit with all glass windows. It's a beautiful place in Midtown. Um, and she's really grinding out there, trying to make essentially a dry bar, but for <laughs> braids for all of us. So when we travel, it's, you know, a better braid experience than, you know, going to a random house or, or what have you. So yes. I love Swella. Shout out, Brooke. Swella, Brooke. We love Swella. Um, so, I mean, gosh, I wish I'd have a whole list and you got me on the spot. I was like, what? Swella, so Swella, Swella is our Yes, yes, yes. So much. That's yes. what we're about here. Well, I am so excited for my next parfait. Yay. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And this week, make sure to check out Swella Beauty, a modern luxury braid bar centered around you in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for that one, Simone. We'll all make sure to check out Swella. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is how will you pick your co-founders? We've had all three co-founders on the show in this special series of Building Parfait, and each co-founder had their unique lane of expertise from operations to technology to marketing. So I leave you with how will you find your next co-founder and what qualities are you looking for to complement your own unique skill set? And with that, Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.